0: Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And again, we are doing a special edition of the podcast where we are going back into the vault. And in this series, we are going to be uh, just unlocking some of the timeless episodes and classics, revisiting some of your favorites from the show. And uh, we have another doozy for you today. Today, we are going to be hearing from uh, none other than Eric Rehm, who's not only a friend of of our program, but also a successful former student who uh, has returned to continue to coach a lot of our VIP students. He has been incredibly successful, has a passion for equipping others to find success in the speaking industry. And Eric's just an all-around great human being, and I'm really excited that we are bringing back this episode from the archives. So in this conversation, uh, Eric has focused on five key metrics, which has led to exponential growth of his business in literally just a few short years. His metrics, his insight, and his experience is going to help you both evaluate the health of your business and what to do next. We're also going to dive into topics like contacting prospects, generating leads, goal setting, and why tracking these numbers numbers meticulously really, really matters. So whether you're just getting started or you already have a few years of experience under your belt, there is something here for everyone. So let's take a step back into the archives and then uh, I get right to it. Here's my conversation on the five metrics to grow your speaking business with Eric Rehm. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. Today, joined by my good friend, Eric Reem Eric's been on the podcast a couple times. If you want to go check out his story back in episode 126 and episode 150. But uh, Eric actually joined uh, one of our programs, Book and Paid to Speak, a couple of years ago. How many years ago was it now?
1: 2015. December of 2015 was a. Pivotal moment in my life, Grant. Thank you. So,
0: give us the give us a long story short. You join and like today. We were just talking a little bit beforehand. Each time we talk, I'm like, dude, you're just killing it. So, uh, we are actually recording this right at the beginning of 2019, a couple days into the year. And what, what is your like? What is what, what did 2018 look like for you? 2018 was
1: a banner year. It was fantastic. In fact, this is my favorite. I love this time of year. It's really a great time to to reflect on where you've been and where you what you've been doing. And you and I were talking about reflecting on each of our businesses. But looking back at it now, 2018 uh, went really well. I had uh, my goal was to do 45 gigs. I actually did 41. Cool. So I had 41 paid speaking gigs. No free. The all these are all paid gigs. Yep. Um, I wanted to get around 200 grand, and I came in at 180. So I was about, nice. well, I as I was actually about $19,000 short of my goal. But uh, you know, I made thirty thousand dollars more than I did last year. So it's not like uh, I'm, I'm whining and complaining over here, right? So I actually did pretty well. So that that comes a long way from two thousand fifteen when I first met you, and I think I brought in fifteen grand that year, right? Yeah. So from fifteen grand to one hundred eighty to this year, I think I'm going to be north of two hundred thousand. The way things are going, life is good, man. So that's fun. Made to cool. speak definitely worked.
0: We uh, one of the fun things too is that uh, you've done all of this while. Uh, working a full-time job Mm -hmm. and being a husband, being a father. One of the things I know that we enjoy talking about is uh, just the travels with kids and the experiences with family and the opportunities that speaking has given us. So I know we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, some of the trips you you were literally in California on a Mm -hmm. speaking gig and you brought your whole family and uh, tell us what happened while you were there. Oh, well, I,
1: my, my family loves California. They love going out West and we went out there uh, earlier in the year, just off off a whim, because I was going out there for a gig and I took the whole family with me and they had such a good time. And I told my wife, said, hey, I'm going back to California. You guys want to go again? I mean, how good is life like when you can <laughs> just say, hey, you want to go to California again? <laughs> so uh, off a whim, we decided to go again. This time it was, I was doing a gig in Los Angeles, but I, I was coming from Denver. So I asked my wife. Said you want to hook up and go with the family? I said sure. So they literally flew into Denver. I hopped on a plane with them after my speaking gig at Denver. We flew to Newport Beach. We rented a house on the beach. This beautiful house on the beach it had an arcade in it. You know, with those old style nineteen oh, eighties cool. like Pac Man. My boys loved it. They had their own rooms. It was fantastic. You could hear the beach uh, from the house. And I was sitting out there on the, on the, uh, Lanai there waiting for my family to wake up, drinking some coffee. I had rented some, uh, wetsuits and I had, I had the wetsuit on literally halfway down. I was living the, the beach lifestyle, right? <laughs> Watching other guys carry their surfboards. I'm sitting there drinking a coffee waiting for him and we're about to go boogie boarding. And I was literally closing a deal, uh, to go speak in Key West, Florida. And I thought maybe I should just ask him who can, never, never hurts to ask. I said, you mind if we come down during my kids' spring break? you guys have flexibility? And they wrote me back and said, sure, no problem. So my family woke up and said, hey, by the way, I've already got spring spring break taken care of. We're going to go to Key West, Florida. And I was telling (laughs) you my kids, like, oh, that sounds cool. They were, like, nonchalant about it. I'm like, oh, man, these these kids got it nice, man. If they don't even care now, they're like, oh, yeah, Key West sounds great, you dad. That's awesome. So so I literally was on my gig uh, in Newport Beach hanging out with my family, and I booked my spring break. Uh, gig with Key West Florida, March of 2019. So that's going to be our big trip this year.
0: That's fun, man. Good for you. Well, I'm super proud of you and super uh, uh, impressed by all that you have done. So one of the things that you've done really, really well is from the beginning is that you've really treated this as a business. It's not just kind of a sit back and, and hope you know, wait and hope and click your heels together and hope that that business magically comes your way. Um, but you've, you, you spend a lot of time, um, thinking about and working on the business itself. And so today what we're going to be talking about is the importance of metrics in your speaking business. And so you have really dialed in, the five key metrics that you are tracking and paying attention to on a regular basis, uh, mm-hmm. that have really made such a huge impact in your business. So can you kind of talk about that big picture? Why these things are, are so important?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I'm 45 years old, Grant. I ain't messing around, right? I got yep. kids that are, you know, going into high school and about 5 short years are going to be going to college. You know, now's the time. I need um, I got to figure out what I want to do in my life, what kind of lifestyle I want, and as speaking to where I landed on, I really love it, but I don't want to lose this opportunity. And so once I got the momentum because you gave me the you you paved the way for me. I was really important to me not to lose that momentum and take this opportunity and take it to the next level. And I realized in order to do that though, I need to get really serious about having indicators on whether or not I'm successful or not, because you, you know how it works. You get into this whirlwind of life and if you don't pay attention, you can get off the beaten path pretty quickly. So I kind of use it to, um, when I, uh, started flying. I took flying lessons when I was 16 years old. Do You ever look back on your life and think about how bad your parents were as far as letting things happen? <laughs> I'm like, I look back, I'm like, man, that was bad parenting. Well, that was this occasion. My dad, I told my dad I like to learn how to fly. My dad said, no problem. But he went on the cheap, right? And got me this Air Force Academy, dropout to teach me how to fly <laughs> and every time we get in the plane and this old Cessna 152 that really looked like it was a rust bucket before we took off he always said well today could be the day you know and at 16 <laughs> years old I thought I was indestructible not a big deal now looking back I'm like that was crazy I can't believe yeah. I've been in a plane with that guy but I remember flying this 152 and he took me up at 10 or 15,000 feet and he put on me on on what is known as a hood where it, it covers like a plastic hood and it covers so you can't see the horizon but all you can see are the instruments. That's okay. all I can see. And then what he did is he started to – actually, he, he put all the way down so I was completely blind. And then he started doing all this crazy stuff with the plane, taking it all over the place, doing all kinds of acrobatics with it, and totally messed up my equilibrium. I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. then he raised the hood only so I could see the instruments, but I couldn't see the horizon. And the point of that was my body was all over the place and my body was thinking the plane was going one way, but the instruments were telling me it was going a different way. Yeah. And you had to trust the instruments against your body and and say, okay, this is what I need to do based on what the instruments are telling me. Well, I kind of use that as a metaphor in everything I do in my life. And I realized that, I'm in the whirlwind. I got all kinds of acrobatics going on in life. I got all, th- all these things going. I need to be able to look at a dashboard, a few key things. And this, my, even though I think my business may be going one way, the matrix might be telling me something totally different. And I got to trust the metrics. Yeah. So I got really serious with metrics and I came up with my top five of what I use to keep me on track. Even when I might think I'm going another way, the business telling me something different and it gives me kind of red flags or alarms to say, hey, you need to make some changes.
0: Yeah. Cool. Let's jump into them. What are those, uh, what are those five? What's the, the first one okay. that you're looking at? All right. So here's metric number one. The
1: metric number one is gigs per month, gigs okay. per month. So um, I think every, every business person, no matter if you're speaking or whatever, you got to figure out what's your goal revenue-wise. At the end of the day, like you like to say, my kids want to live and eat indoors. That takes money. Right. So for me, that number for 2019 is 200,000. Anything north of 200,000, that's good for me. So for me, um, I want to I don't want to do any more than 40 gigs. So 40 gigs is kind of my thing, right? And I want to make five thousand dollars per gig. So forty gigs, uh, that's about three point three three gigs a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not realistically, I'm not gonna be able to do three point three three gigs a month because some there's some months are better than others. Uh like January's been is usually a slow month, December's a usually slow month. So my metric is four gigs per month. If I can get four gigs per month and I can do that uh, for 10 months, then I know I want to make it right. I, so, I know I want to make it.
0: So kind of zooming out on that because most, how far, well, let's start with this. Like how far out do you find that most gigs are, are being booked? Uh, well, it just
1: depends. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, there's any one metric for that. I don't. But I, I do know that there's some. The higher the speaking gig, the pay, pay payment for the gig is usually further out. Yeah. Um, and also, too, I've got many different customers now that are very comfortable with me. I do multiple gigs for them, so they they might book me three months out or four months out. So it's anywhere from three months, I think, to about eighteen months in my experience.
0: Okay, three months, eighteen months. So then, looking ahead. Forecasting and kind of figuring out that number of the goal is four gigs per month. But I mean, at the moment we're recording this in January. So are you like, at what point are you saying like, okay, by uh, if we're in January at the moment, then four months from now, three months from now, looking at, let's say April, I need to make sure I've got four gigs for April or uh, kind of, how are you looking at that on a, almost on a rolling basis?
1: Yeah. So what I do is uh, actually I misspoke. It's seven months. I need to have uh, four gigs. So I, I identify that if I can, out of the 12 months, if I can get seven months out of those 12 months where I have four gigs, then I know I can figure out the last eight. Uh, so if I have, if I have seven months or the last uh, whatever that is, 12 that I need to get. So uh, the seven months that I looked at, was March, May, June, August, September, October, November. Those are key months for me based on historically looking back. That's where I know I can probably get four gigs. So I start looking at it right now. Like, for instance, uh, I only have one month I have four gigs booked, and that's in February. In yep. March, I only got two. In May, I have only got one. I got zero in June, two in August, zero in September, one in October, and zero in November. So now I know, okay, I've got some work to do. The good thing is a lot of the gigs I do um, are not all conferences. Sometimes I do workshops, which means there's some control there. So I can actually kind of uh, guide the people I'm working with towards the months I want to go to. So when I know if I've got – Four gigs already booked, booked in March then I can start guiding people. Say, hey, well, if you want to do a workshop, how about May or June? You see what I'm saying? Yep. So I just know that I got a front load March. I need to get two more in March. I need to get three more in May. I need to get four in June. So I start really focusing on those months with customers that I know have conferences during that time or talk to me about possibly doing conferences or want to do a workshop. I start front loading those months.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more as far as we're here, but looking at, um, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the, on the book. I read there. About indicators And, uh, something like gigs per month is, uh, to get there. Right. Um, so thinking about it, like, uh, I remember the example of being like, uh, you when you step on the scale to check your weight, that is a lagging indicator. At that point, there's nothing you can really mm-hmm. do about that. But if you're tracking, um, uh, the number of calories that you're eating per day or the amount of uh, the amount of minutes that you're working out per day or the number of times you're working out per week. Like those are leading indicators, something that you can do something about that leads to affecting the lagging indicator, the number of when you step on the scale. So gigs per month is going to be one of those lagging indicators uh, that you want to be paying attention to, but that's going to come as a result of other things that you have done to get there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, yeah. So in your case, what then... Um, Uh, I guess. Then again, we may get into this as we go. What would you say would then be the the second metric that you're paying attention to? All
1: right, the second metric is um, actually revenue per gig. Okay. So, you know, I told you I want to get two hundred thousand. My gigs is forty gigs. That that comes out to four a month that I want to get. Now, if I'd actually did four for 12 months, that'd be 48 gigs, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm not going to do four per month for the entire year. So I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, because you can come up with metrics that are unrealistic. 40 gigs for me is very realistic, four per month. So if I get four month, four per month in the first 10 months, then I'm good to go. And I just know the way it, my, it works out with conferences and, and you know, things that are, when it's really, when when speakers are in high demand and when there's not much demand for speakers, I just know how that works, Right. So if um, I want to do 5,000 per gig, then I need to start tracking what's the average uh, money I'm making per gig. So right now I have 16 gigs in the books that I have contracts for, right? And the average uh, amount per gig is $4,781.25. So I know I'm below that amount right now. So I know I need to work on that. However, the good thing is I have six gigs that are about to pop. I'm about to sign contracts on them. And I just did the numbers on that. Those six gigs are averaging six thousand nine hundred and sixty-six dollars. So okay. I'm on the up uptrend now. To put things in perspective, in 2017, my average gig was thirty-six hundred dollars. Okay. In 2018, my average gig was forty-four hundred dollars. Okay. My first 16 gigs of the year is $4,700 and my next six gigs are $6,900. So you can kind of see the trend. Right. So right. All this is doing is my metric is showing me that number one is I'm, I'm slowly getting to that 5,000 mark and I might be tipping over that a little bit. And that's good for me to know. It's a kind of a good indicator to show me that maybe I, I, I might be primed to raise my prices if I'm starting to go higher and higher and higher above that 5,000 and I'm still getting 40 gigs. So all this stuff starts to play on another, right? So if I raise my prices too high, and I find I'm struggling getting four gigs per month and maybe my pricing's off, off a little bit.
0: Okay. So a couple questions there. So right now, as it says, you mentioned you got 16 gigs and you're uh, averaging around $4,700 for those mm-hmm. gigs per gig. Um, and then looking ahead to those ones that you're just getting ready to book, you're, they're averaging around $6,900 per gig. Mm-hmm. So is that just a, a come as a result of I'm just charging more per gig or is there additional value or services that you're offering that's increasing the value of each gig that you're doing? Or how, do you, how are you going from forty four to 6900 I'm charging more,
1: basically what it comes down to. And um, I think I've I've kind of developed a reputation with a couple associations, Mm -hmm. national associations where, hey, this guy's legit. I'm getting a lot of uh, publicity and press and a lot of folks referring me. So I I think what happened was I was just charging less than what I was bringing and I'm just catching up to, I think, the value that I'm bringing. So uh, basically I'm trying to find the perfect situation where the market's willing to pay with the value I bring and I'm still trying to figure that out right now. I think it's 5,000. We'll see how that works.
0: So how have you landed on 5,000? Because it, sometimes like pricing is much more of, a, of an art than a science. Sure, there's some different nuance that go into it of why you would charge this versus that. Um, but how are you landing on 5,000 is where I want to be? Uh, in addition to how are you kind of determining, even just looking at what you have booked currently versus what you're getting ready to book, the price has gone up significantly. How have you decided uh, not only what to price yourself, but when to raise your prices?
1: Um, well, part of it's just the market, right? And a lot of it too is when I go to the conferences, I can kind of discern what other speakers are getting at mm-hmm. the same conferences that I'm at. And so yep. I'm seeing that other speakers are getting paid a little bit more than me. Other speakers are getting paid a little less than me, but I can also evaluate, well, this one's bringing more, less value than what I'm bringing. So I'm kind of, that's part of it. And part of it too is just, I just did a kind of a ratchet where I decide this is what the minimum I'm willing to do, and then this is what the maximum somewhere in between there, and then over time I've raised the minimum, okay. and I've raised the maximum. So I just go a little bit at a time, and I just then see what see if the market responds. It's basically experimental. And yep. If the market responds with ah, that's that's a little high, but we'll see what we can do. And I still get the gig. I know the market's willing to pay that. They may, There may be a little more comments, a little more negotiating. It's getting a little harder for them to accept, but they're still accepting it. Yeah. Then I know maybe I'm getting towards my ceiling. So it's part of it's just how the conversation goes. If I contact you and say, hey, I'll charge you $1,500. Like, cool, let's go, right? Yep. yep. And then if I contact you and say, hey, I'm going to charge $7,000. dollars like, well, I don't know. It's not really in our budget.
0: Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what your goals are. So you mentioned that your goal is to do uh, 40 gigs a year. You'd like to be at $200,000 a year. So that math is pretty simple. It works out to $5,000 a gig versus if you said, uh, I want to do $200,000 a year uh, and I want to do half that. I want to do 20 gigs. Well, then that math works out to $10,000. So some of it comes back to what that goal is, what you feel comfortable with. But there's also a lot of uh, supply and demand. Like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. there's times of year where you just, I just know it's going to be a busy time of year. Versus you mentioned like December, January are historically very slow months for most speakers. So most speakers are typically willing to take less during those months because they just know like if I can get any gig in December, it's a win because um, yeah. I'm just, I'm typically not going to get anything or very few. So I'm maybe willing to take less. So it's kind of like, you know, when you, um, if you're taking an Uber, there's going to be surge pricing at certain times where there's just more demand right. than supply, you know, and that's, right. that can certainly be the, the case for, for speakers as well.
1: Yeah. And to put it in perspective right now, my range is my minimum is 3,500 and my max is five. So I'm starting at five and I'm getting yeses for most of them. There's, a, there's one recently where they couldn't do that, but they could do four, right? So I'm within that 35 to five and my average right now is 47. So I'm on the high end of my average. So I'm slowly moving up to that. And then once I get to the 5,000, then what I may do is then say, okay, my minimum may be 4,000. now. I may raise my minimum a little bit.
0: Yep. Cool. I love it. All right, so we've got um, number one gigs per month, number two, revenue per gig. What's number three?
1: Number three is prospective gigs in the pipeline. Okay. And so in order for me to get four gigs a month, I've always got to have an X amount of gigs that I'm working on. And there's got to be a certain number. So for me, that number is 25. So I've, I think I've mentioned this before mm-hmm. uh, on the Facebook page, but I, I need to know that I've always got the next gigs loaded in. They're all lined up. Right, and that tells me the future and the health of my business. So, if I've got at least 25 gigs in my pipeline that I'm in contact with, I'm in one of the five steps that I have in my pipeline, and I know they're somewhere in that five, then I've got my my future revenue in place, and I'm comfortable that I can get to the four per month as long as I got 25 in the pipeline. Now, um, just to kind of tune it down even further, I have five steps in the pipeline, right? So, the first one is lead in, meaning that this is one I think I can do business with. The next one is contact made. Let's say you're the event planner and you and I have actually made contact. We've exchanged emails. We decided we, we there's potential here. Once I go to from that one, I go in the phone meeting. One of the things I learned from you, this is a huge lesson I learned from you, was that as soon as someone shows interest, get them on the phone. So that's number three in my pipeline is, do I uh, get you to the, on the phone? Once again, on, on the phone that I want to get you to a proposal where you and I agree that, yeah, this is a good fit. I need to send you a proposal. And then the last part of my pipeline is now I send you a contract and we're negotiating the contract. Out of the 25, 50% of them have to be, based on what I've come down to, 50% of them have to be in the proposal phase or the contract phase. That's when I know I've got a healthy business. So if I got 25 and they're all in the lead-in, That means that it's kind of pie in the sky. Yeah. That that to me, that doesn't mean anything. I got to have at least half of them in the proposal phase. So, um, So here's where I'm at right now. I've got 49 gigs in the pipeline. So I'm way above that. Yeah. So that's a good metric. I just look at it. I'm at 49. Now, if next week it's 30, next week it's 28, next week it's 15, that's a huge red flag. I need to start working to get that pipeline full. So I would stop everything uh, and I would, I would do everything I can to get that from 15 to 25. That would be my number one goal. Yeah. But once I get above 25, I know that metric's good. I'm good to go. I can focus on other parts of my business.
0: So a couple questions there. One is how are you tracking that part at least? And then number two would be, how did you land on 25? Like why not? Figure, why not 10? Like how, how did you figure out that? And again, how are you tracking that?
1: Well, it wasn't like a, an algorithm. It was more of a kind of a comfort thing and more experimental. And so here's what I'm using pipe drive. It's a CRM I use to trap. It's, it's probably the best one I've found. I've tried all kinds of different CRMs. It cost me $290 a year mm-hmm. uh, for this. It's fantastic. And so um, I found like last year in 2018, I started, a, I had 150 potential gigs that I brought into pipe drive. Okay. I closed 108 of them, meaning that I, I got a decision from the event planner. Out of the 108, 65 of them said no to me. And it was $313,000 of potential revenue that I didn't get because they said no. Yeah. But 43 said yes, and that was $195,000. That's a 40% win rate for me. Yeah. So if I've got 25 in the pipeline and I stay with that 40%, that means I'm going to win about 10 of those. So if I've always got 25, 10 is going to come out of there somewhere. Yeah. $50,000 is constantly going to be generated. I know it's coming. Okay. Yeah. I've got 49. So with that same mentality of 40%, I know I'm going to probably get 20 on top of the 16. I've already got booked. I already know right now I'm going to reach 36. So yeah. all I need to really find four more and I've got my year met. Right. So do you see now I'm, I'm flying my plane and I know I'm on the right, uh, the horizon, even though sometimes I wake up in the morning uh, with the entrepreneur, uh, I'm having a heart attack. I'm thinking, right. man, I'm going to be homeless tomorrow. Right. I can go look at my metric and say, wait a second, I got 49 in the pipeline. I've got 16 with an average of 4,700. Um, I'm on, I'm on path. I know I'm going to get 20 because the numbers say I'm going to get 20. Everything's good. Life is good. I, I
0: continue finding find the plane. So how did you, uh, like those 49 that you've got currently, where did those come from? Guys, I think that's one thing that, that most people have a hard time with is I'm happy to fill up the pipeline. What Where am I filling up the pipeline? So yeah. what, what does that look like for you? Are you reading my notes? This is uncanny. It's like, you is know, it? what my next metric is. You I'm are just, fantastic. We're, man. We're, on the, we're on the same page there. You were built to do this, man. <laughs> you are awesome. So the uh, the next metric
1: is actually gigs, book from gigs. Okay. Right? So to me, uh, uh, a hallmark of a good speaker. And now I'm just based on my experience. I, I'm not saying I, I know it all. I just, I just been doing this since 2015. But for me, I made a commitment that if I was going to be a speaker, I wanted to be the speaker that if you heard me, then people wanted to book me from that. And to me, it's an indicator. If nobody books you out of that event. Then there's something going on. Maybe your message isn't really good because if you have a good message, it should motivate and inspire people to want you to bring you to their organization. Yeah. So, my metric has always been this if I can book two gigs out of every gig, then I know I'm always going to have momentum, I'm always going to have gigs, and I'm always going to have money waiting for me to make as a speaker. And so, right now, I'm averaging about two and a half gigs per gig. So, I'm, I'm at that two or higher. And so that 49 that I I just told you is in my pipeline, that has all come from gigs that I've spoke at. Now, I didn't have that in the beginning. I had to build up to that. But once I made a commitment early on that my goal was to book gigs out of the gigs, then I knew my business would be sound. And so that was a metric I I had to have As after each gig, I had to ask myself how many gigs I book out of it. And if it's less than two, I have to say why. Was it because I didn't do a good job? Was it because I didn't prep the event planner and the audience that I was looking for business? What do I need to do better? So right now I'm about two and a half so I'm right on pat I'm right on pace there
0: and so we actually cover that that's because you have some really good um, specific strategies that you follow we actually covered that in episode 150 so uh, I would encourage people to go back and listen to that one so people are really clear on exactly how you do that and how you go about getting gigs from gigs so in terms of the tracking part of it and the metric side of it um, are you just each lead that you are you getting your, it seems like you're getting a bunch of leads from the event, but then mm-hmm. you're also any leads that let's say you get six months from now as someone that saw you six months ago, are you just being very intentional to find out where that lead came from and then tracking that accordingly? Or how does that kind of look like on the, on the metrics and tracking part?
1: Right. I just have a spreadsheet and I can, okay. when I, when I get a gig, I ask myself where to come from. Okay. That's it. You know, did it come from a, um, did it come from a, a speaker's bureau, which I got a speaker's bureau represent me now. That's fantastic. Cool. I feel like I've made it now. I got a speaker <laughs> It, I know it doesn't mean much in the big scheme of things, but for me it means something to me. So did it come from a speakers bureau? Did it, did it come from a gig that I already know about? Did it come from a re, re, repeat customer? So that's pretty easy to track.
0: Cool. Awesome. All right. What's the uh, the last one? So, we, so far, just to recap, we've got gigs per month, uh, revenue per gig, perspective gigs in the pipeline, gigs booked from gigs. And then what's the fifth one?
1: The fifth one is a uh, percentage of gigs that I have that are repeat customers. Okay. To me, this is a big one. Um, I've heard speakers. I've even heard this on your podcast. I think, um, that it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to have people ask you to come back because they, they don't want to have the same speaker come back over and over and over again. I just always prescribe that. I, that I think I could break that trend. And I felt like here's what I've discovered based on uh, work with event planners is that they just want a known commodity that they know is going to be legit and it's going to deliver. And I wanted to be that person. So I wanted to set up a business where it wasn't, I came in and spoke at your event grant and I'm not allowed to come back for another three years. I want you to have me come back every single time. And I wanted to build a business where you said, Eric, you're fantastic. What other message do you have? What other things can you do deliver? So I thought if I can build a business where 70% of all my gigs came from existing customers, then I would, I'm going to be set for, I'm going to be set. I want to have yeah. a business that's always going to be thriving and the other 30% is going to come out of those gigs, right? Yeah. So if you ask me to come back, there's going to be someone in your audience is going to ask me to go to their event. So I can always get that 30%. But if I can have 70% of my events always coming from customers that had me come before, then I know I'm 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 on track to the business I want to build. It might not be for everybody, sure. but this is what I want to build. So uh, my goal was 70%. So in 2018, I went back and did the numbers. 61% last year of my gigs came from repeat customers. In fact, wow. there was one customer that had me come four times in the same year to their wow. conferences. Because a lot of times what happens is associations, is they will have six conferences with six different audiences, right? Yep. Yep. They may have an engineering and operations conference, they may have a customer service conference, they may have a leadership conference, so if I've done well, they'll say, well, what can you do for leaders? What can you do? You know, so I'm always you know, prepping that to tell them, like, hey, I can do this and I can do that. So I'm always kind of leading that conversation. This year, out of the, out of the 16 gigs I have booked so far, 63% of them are repeat customers. So huh. I'm on my way to that 70% mark. So I know I'm getting to where I need to go. So here's how my business looks. I'm a keynote speaker. And out of that keynote, I can also do workshops on the same Talks that I do. Mm -hmm. So normally, what happens is they'll have me do a couple keynotes, and they'll say, "Can we do a workshop?" And now I'm I'm kind of testing this a little bit. I've had some people contact me. Can you consult us a little bit? So this is kind of attractive to me because when I get um, five years from now, I'm gonna be 50 years old. Maybe I don't want to travel 40 times a year. Maybe this is my next you know platform is that I can start traveling less and consulting more. So we'll see where that goes. But I know if I can get customers asking me back, and so far it's worked for me very well. In fact, I just got off the call I just got off the call with a company out in uh, uh, d c and they have me booked already for three more gigs this year and I did like seven for them last year so
0: oh, that's cool. Uh, and, and so you make a great point there that one of the things that we've talked a lot about is that that uh, event planners or people that are booking speakers are in the risk mitigation business. And so we don't want to put someone up there that we think is going to embarrass us or be a pain in the butt to work with or anything along those lines. So if we've worked with you and you're amazing to work with both on stage and off stage, and that is something that unfortunately is rare, then it makes us want to be like, where else can we plug you in? What else can you do? What other tricks do you have up your sleeve that we can that we can use? Um and so there's some of those, but then there's also, like you said, sometimes it is people who are like, we have one event per year. We always want to bring in different speakers, but in three years, we'd love to have you back. And every three years, like clockwork, they yeah. bring you back. Yeah. That works too, you know, because yeah. over time you just build up a, a real backlog of potential clients you can go back right. to. So that's right. I and, build that in there, right? So I don't have
1: a hundred percent. I know that's unrealistic, but 70%, I think I can reach that. I'm already at 63%. Now I don't want to make it sound like I'm this awesome speaker. There are some I speak at events and it's like, crickets, man. And they don't want to hire me back again. So I don't connect with everybody. Yeah. So I want to connect with the people I connect with. And if I know there's a connection there, I let them know. In fact, when I got off the phone with the, the event planners before I got on this call, I told them, I said, I want you guys to know how grateful I am that you, you honor me and that you trust me enough to speak on your stage. I don't ever take that for granted. I'm always letting people know how grateful for I am because I think it's very important. Yeah. I think gratitude gets you a long way. Totally. And I also told them, That if I'm not doing something that you don't like, don't hesitate to tell me. I will fix it. I want to make sure that I'm the best that I can possibly be for you. And I think people appreciate that because it takes one thing out of their their list of things they got to worry about that knowing, hey, if I hire Eric, I don't have to worry about it. He's going to take care of business. And So if all things being equal and they just need a speaker, I want them to think of me first.
0: Yeah. So to recap, here we've got gigs per month, uh, revenue per gig, pers- uh, perspective gigs in the pipeline, gigs booked from other gigs, and then the percent of repeat gigs. So, a couple questions with all of this. You mentioned on the perspective gigs that you're tracking via PipeDrive, which we can link up to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, are all those other ones? Are you just? Do you have a variety of spreadsheets that you're using mm-hmm. for tracking yeah. all those? I've got a okay. spreadsheet, and I've got an assistant now that
1: tracks all that for me. So okay. she gotcha. keeps track of all those things. Uh, one thing I did want to mention on the repeat customers. Uh, that's, that's kind of a byproduct. I didn't intend this to be. But I looked at 2017, 2018, and 2019. I went back and I asked myself how I got those calls. None of them were cold calls. I'm, I've made no cold calls since 2016. Wow. So literally, I have people calling me Um, contacting me to do speaking gigs. I don't, I don't do any cold calls at all. That may change if I want to go to the next level. So if I want to go to $10,000 or 15, I may have to start cold calling bigger of companies and bigger events. But right now in the, in the play, the playground I'm in, uh, because of the repeat customer metric, uh, I don't have to worry about cold calling because I already have that customer base in place.
0: Gotcha. And so, one of the things just like outside looking in, it seems like, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about is that speaking is very much a momentum business. And that when you're getting going, it takes a lot of work to get that momentum going. But over time, it can really start to build that moment, like pushing a, you know, a snowball down a hill or something. And initially, it's, I'm putting all my effort into it and I'm not getting it anywhere. But over time, it really starts to build on and compound. It seems like that's very much been the case for you that early on, it was a lot of work getting going. Today, the snowball uh, or the boulder or whatever is going much, much quicker and much, much easier with much less effort because of the work that you've put in and because you've shown up, done a great job, been great to work with and done a lot of these things that have kept the the, the, the momentum going. Is that Would that be fair to say?
1: Oh, yeah, because I love this business, man. I love this lifestyle. I do not want to mess it up. And so yeah. I wanted to put in... Programs and metrics and measures in place. That's going to make sure that I stay on track, so I can continue to do what I love.
0: Cool, I love it. One other thing, just kind of putting a bow on things is is just making an observation that looking at all these different metrics that you're tracking. I I like numbers. I like spreadsheets. I know you're that same guy. uh, But I know for some people, like this, feels daunting. It feels overwhelming. It feels intimidating. And it's kind of like, yeah, but I mean, like, I just want to go speak, you know? And it kind of goes back to what you talked about at the beginning of like. Yeah, I don't want to learn what these instruments are. I just want to fly a plane. Well, if you want to be successful at flying and ultimately landing the plane, you got to know these instruments. You got to know these numbers. And so have you, what would you say to that speaker who's going like, I'm, just, I'm not a numbers person. I'm not a spreadsheets person. I don't understand metrics. I don't want to learn about metrics. I don't care about metrics. I just want to go speak. Uh, what would you say to them?
1: I would say then you're not serious about being a speaker then because I'm not a numbers person. Honestly, I know it sounds like I'm a numbers person, but I, what I am is I'm, I'm a speaker that wants to continue to thrive. I want to provide for my family. I mean, I don't only want to provide, I want to provide them with a lifestyle that they're going to remember, right? I want to have a legacy. I want to be, I want to have significance in my life. And I know in order to do that, these numbers are important to me. And if you're not willing to do all the different things it takes to be a speaker, then you won't be a speaker for very long because yeah. these things are important. You've got to track this stuff or it's going to get out of control because I'm in the point right now where I'm so busy, my head is spinning. And if I didn't have a way to look at the compass and to make sure I'm on right track, then who knows where my business would go. I know now my business is going the right direction because I've discovered the metrics that works for me. That's the thing I would also say is you've got to get metrics that work for you. Some of the things I mentioned, that might not work for you, but you have to find the four or five that work for you and then set that up and then use that as a way to guide you along the way.
0: Yeah. Really good stuff, Eric. As always, man, we've gotten with you. Enjoy the insights and, and perspective that you bring. If people want to find out more about you and uh, what you're up to, where can we go? EricReam.com. Very good. And that's Eric with a K. Do you that's ever get right. issues with that? Uh, CK, you, actually. CK. Yeah, yeah CK. Produced. So yeah. We, you have a uni- uh, different spelling of a first name. Um, Reem could be spelled, I guess, a couple different ways. I, I like to ask people on the domain. So do you have any issues with uh, people getting to a different domain? Do you have different variations of it? No, no, I don't. No I, I haven't really overthought any of that stuff. Um, okay. I, I
1: find if I do a good job and, and if I have my my name's pretty unique, if you Google me, I'm the only Eric Reem in the world with that spelling. Like there literally is no other person in the world with my name. Um, and if and I figure if I do a good job, they'll find me. And so far, it's been been good and i i got the if i ever meet anybody that doesn't have the k i just feel like their parents didn't love them enough you know they didn't they didn't complete you you're incomplete man sorry you got
0: that, you got that bonus letter
1: yeah <laughs> all right man we appreciate you hey i appreciate you thanks for the opportunity i appreciate you grant thanks for everything man
0: all right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is if you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.